again, the most uh, favorite subject of anybody, right? Just say that word a few times. Who doesn't want to think about that for a long time? Death. But no, what we want to be excited about is what happens next. But today's talk, we're going to talk about a portion of the experience that is a little bit maybe strange for some of you. Maybe you haven't heard of it before. Maybe you have. But we're going to talk about the journey before you end up in either a good place or a bad place. A lot of us think should disappear and kind of appear somewhere, maybe after death. Or maybe there's a path or there's some kind of process. I'm going to give you a little video of a person who isn't Orthodox, is not Christian, or maybe she's Christian, I don't know. Someone from, uh, who appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show. So I'm going to show you a clip of Oprah Winfrey Show. And I want you to watch and listen. But before you watch this video, I'm going to tell you a little bit of background so you understand. Back in 2005, this woman named Caroline Thomas is on the show, and she's talking about a domestic violence incident and what happened to her after this incident. She was with a, a guy who ended up shooting her in the face. So she barely made it alive. And then she talks about some experience she had. So I'll let you listen to this, and then we'll go deep, um, deeper into it. Um, this is Caroline Thomas. We're going to watch the video here. I remember having an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like the devil was on one side. God was on one side, and I was falling down this tunnel real, real, real fast. And after not getting to the bottom, I just remember this calm feeling and not feeling any pain and asking God to forgive me for all my sins. And if he see fit for me to be here, then, you know, do so. She said she had an out-of-body experience, and then she felt after being shot and having this out-of-body experience, she felt like she was going down a pit really, really fast. And she, had, she felt like the devil was on one side and God was on the other. And before she could get to the bottom of the pit, she was begging for forgiveness, asking that God, if he was willing to see her fit living back on the earth, that he would bring her back. I just want you to think about that. And a lot of the fantasized, romanticized stories about afterlife experiences that you may have read, heard, it's often this flowery, you die and just, whoo, light, tunnel, angels, heaven, it just becomes this thing. But that's not typically the case. So I wanted to give you an, uh, an experience that was not related to orthodoxy or not related to Christianity, so you just get a sense of where we're headed. We're going to talk about the part of the journey. Uh, an icon, it's hard to see it, uh, some of the detail, but this is an icon that the Coptic Church uh, a while back put together. And what you have in the middle here is you have, and it's, it says, it reads in Coptic, uh, the soul, like a someone's soul. 
Okay, so this person is like the, the spirit of someone who's departed. And you notice, what do you have on one side? You have an angel on one side. You have what's being depicted as a devil on the other side. Again, you're probably all looking at me, maybe some of you are looking at me like, what is he talking about? Why is he talking about this? This is probably the least fun part of the experience that anyone wants to talk about. And it's probably the, the, the part of the experience that most people gloss over or ignore. But it turns out that it is actually one of the most, if not the most, well-attested, written-about experience in the early history of the church. It's just, and throughout. One of the most well-written-about, and if you look at the early bishops and the early fathers of the church, this is one of the most common parts of the experience they write about, more than any other part of the experience. And I can understand why a lot of us may have wanted to forget what that experience is like. But we're going to talk about the journey. So last week we talked about someone who left their body, well, not last week, two weeks ago, last talk, left their body and experienced what it's like to leave their body. After you leave your body, what the stories ended up, end up testifying is you start noticing your new surrounding. Just think about it for a moment. You've left your body. It's on the hospital bed or wherever it may be. You've left your body, and now you're seeing yourself outside of yourself. So seeing your double is one of those experiences that are commonly written about even among non-Orthodox Christian sources when they talk about afterlife experiences. So it's a very new thing. And then you're starting to experience a more translucent appearance and all these things that are strange. And then typically, typically, you have some kind of guides that will accompany you so that when you depart from this material earthly existence and going to the next, you have someone with you. Often, it's an angel or two, depending on your spiritual status or whatever it may be. Maybe you have a bunch of people from heaven showing up along with them, but it just kind of depends on what God permits. And then eventually you exit this world, and then you cross over from this visible sphere to an invisible one, one that none of us can go find. We can't navigate. We can't go take a a spaceship and try to find it. It's an invisible realm. And so when I'm talking about this transit, I call it the crossover realm. And then that's where that terrifying ordeal typically will happen, where you are now having to pass through The devils who want you, they envy you. They are spending their entire life coming after us to try to bring us down. So it's only after going through some exit and transition away do you then find yourself in either of two places, a waiting place that we call in the Orthodox Church paradise, akin to heaven, or a waiting place we call in the Orthodox Church Hades, which is similar to hell, but it's not the same. It's another story for another subject. So I want to share with you some scriptural references to frame your context and mind. We'll start with the Bible. The first is, Christ himself attested to the fact that when you die, you're carried by angels. So in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, 
when the parable of Lazarus, when Lazarus dies, it says he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. It's not hard to believe that there's angels. The early church bishop, the early church father who wrote about this experience, he says this, it's beautiful. He says, the soul does not go up automatically to that other life, since this is not even possible. If we need a guide when moving from one city to another, and I use GPS all the time, so you can just imagine, much more the soul which has burst out of the flesh and is moving toward the life to come will need guides to lead it. Look at God's kindness, that when we find ourselves in this unusual new space after departing, he lets us have guides with us so we're not feeling isolated and alone. The other part of it, like we talked about, is the crossing over and that terrifying ordeal. I want to make a few caveats. This is not purgatory. If you're familiar with the term purgatory, it's not purgatory. Okay? The concept of purgatory, if you go look at the Catholic Church's delineation of where they got this concept, it started from the common understanding that you're hearing about, which is this terrifying experience, devils and angels and all this stuff, and you're being accused. What they did is they took that, and they, over time, and maybe through some other things that happened way later, they started to create a theology around it where there is a purgatory where you can purify yourself and purge your sins and eventually get out of whatever end up the place you end up. But that's not... They started from the same core of stories, but they ended up taking it in a very different direction. So this is not purgatory. It's a, trans, it's a transition, and immediately after a brief encounter, you're going to find yourself in either paradise or Hades. And like I said, while it seems unfamiliar, it's very well attested to, very well attested to. So I'm going to give you some, read some stories with you. So there's a Russian Orthodox Christian. His name is Mr. Ixkul. I bet none of you could have pronounced it. I had to go find out how to pronounce this. Mr. Ixkul, he had an experience, and he writes, I was seized with fear. Says it right after he died. I was seized with fear from the realization of my insignificance in comparison to this desert of infinity. This is after he left Earth. He's with his angelic guides, and now he's in this crossover realm about to experience a terrifying ordeal, and it's just this dark place where you can see everything somehow, but it's all dark, and you see there's some place to go, but a, an ordeal is about to occur. So he felt this insig his insignificance. Earth became this minute, insignificant thing. The universe became this insignificant thing, and that was just his actions and who he was and what he decided to do in life now is what's being decided, what his eternity is going to be. He says, um, uh, in, in Scripture we say, uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We also hear in Scripture, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings 
are experienced by our brotherhood in the world. I'm going to share with you a couple more verses and let you hear what the church early bishops and fathers would write about how they saw the afterlife experience and this crossing over and terrifying ordeal, how they extracted that from the verses that you're about to read. In Psalm 22, it says, Deliver me, the psalmist says, Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. The early church bishop, he lived between 100 A.D. and 165 A.D., okay? Christ died around 33 A.D. So this is a very, very early Christian leader of the church. He says this, When we arrive at the end of life, we should ask the same petition from God. He's talking about this verse. We should ask the same petition from God who is able to turn away every shameless evil angel from taking our souls. Hence, also God by his son teaches us always to strive earnestly and at death to pray that our souls may not fall into the hands of any such power. Why would an early Christian bishop, when there was no schisms or denominations, it was just Christianity, what is he writing about? But see how common an understanding that was? It's a very common understanding from an early period in the church till now. We know from the Gospel of St. Luke about the rich fool, the parable of the rich fool. It says, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you then whose will those things be which you have provided? And look what St. John, the early church bishop, St. John Chrysostom wrote. From that rich man, his soul was required by some frightful powers, perhaps sent just for this purpose. Again, you can find in the early church there is a witness and attestation to this concept that we will be experiencing some desire of the devil to try to grasp us and keep us from continuing our journey to paradise. I know everyone's so excited. This is the most exciting. The next one's more exciting, okay? The next talk, it's all about paradise and heaven. It's all great, okay? Okay, we'll skip Hades, okay? But today we need to, because I don't want you to be surprised. You're like, what's going on? I was good. I was, do I was doing the thing. I was going to church. I was taking communion. I was doing everything I was supposed to do. What's going on? This, this is not what I signed up for. I don't want you to be surprised. Mr. Ixkul says this about the terrifying ordeal. He says, The holy angels had a violent dispute concerning the souls, from for, um, the souls that had come forth from their bodies. The demons, what were they doing? Bringing charges against them and aggravating the burden of their sins while the angels lightening the burden and making excuses for them. Let me share you one, 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 one thing that I want you to, to, to think about. In Scripture, the devil is given another name as well. One of his other names is the accuser. The accuser. And we hear about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ being our 
advocate. And he's not just our advocate, he's also our judge. I mean, God flips the fairness balance to our favor. The accuser's accusing. God gives you angels there saying, no, no, no. Don't count that and don't count that and no, that did not happen. Mr. Ixkul, he goes on to say, the poor little virtues which I had displayed unworthily and imperfectly spoke out in my defense. Those angelic spirits in their boundless love defended and supported me. While the virtues, greatly magnified as they were, seemed to me far greater and more excellent than could ever have been practiced by my own strength. Look at how beauty, beautiful the imbalance is in our favor. Again, you might be thinking still, this seems just so far-fetched. I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe that's what happens. Well, again, I want to show you a little example. I'm going to give you another example from someone who's, especially in uh, apostolic Christianity, you hear about these people prior to all the denominational splits, okay? These are people, so St. John, St. Justin Martyr, St. Irenaeus, these are very early church folks, and there's a lot of people, St. Athanasius, we might know, the 20th Pope of the Coptic Church, um, lots of folks, but I'm going to focus on one person, St. Anthony the Great. For those who don't know, St. Anthony was one who lived around 300-something A.D., in the early church period, prior to all the denominational splits. And out of his devotion and love for God, he was an Egyptian man who went to the Egyptian desert and decided to live a very solitary life. The the word monk comes from the word solitary, monachos. And so he lived as a solitary, very far in the desert. If you're ever going to Egypt, please go visit the St. Anthony Monastery It's amazing because the cave that he lived in with all the amazing stories written by none other than the 20th Patriarch of Alexandria, Pope Athanasius, who was in the early church in the Council of Nicaea, the first ecumenical council of the church, was the person who was trusted to lead all of the stray heresies back to the truth. And eventually the church coalesced around what he was teaching and the church remained unified. This is pre-denominational Christianity. This is apostolic early church Christianity. This same St. Athanasius, the only one in the council who was named Pope, no one else was called Pope. It's a well-attested fact, by the way, that the Orthodox, the, the Alexandrian patriarch was called by his people Pa-Apa. It's historical fact. And so the first time anyone was ever called Pope was the Alexandrian pontiff. In any case, he wrote the biography of St. Anthony the Great's life. He knew St. Anthony the Great. So he wrote about his life. And I'm going to share with you one story that reveals the crossover realm and the terrifying ordeal, one of two that St. Anthony the Great himself was witness to. These are trusted people, miracle-working people. So let's read what it says. Once, for example... When he, that's St. Anthony, 
was about to eat and stood up to pray about the ninth hour. Look how late he would wait to eat. He felt himself carried off in spirit. And, strange to say, as he stood, he saw himself. So remember that out-of-body experience? So he's outside of his body in his spirit, and he sees his body there. And he says, outside of himself, and as though guided aloft by certain beings, that's angels, carrying him up, then he also saw loathsome and terrifying, ter- terrible beings standing in the air and bent on preventing him from passing through. And as his angel guides offered resistance, the others, that is the evil spirits, demanded to know on what plea he was not accountable to them. What that means is, why can't, the evil spirits were thinking, why can't I take them? He's mine. Because if you think about it, what happened before the Lord Christ? Before the salvation accomplished? When people exited this world and they found themselves with evil spirits going, you're mine. How many of them before Christ's coming, I don't care if it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, anybody you love in the Old Testament, how many of them got to go through and go? Paradise. Nobody. Nobody. So the evil spirits were really, really, they're like, you're mine. They're like, yep, Abraham, on your way. David, you're mine. Yep, on your way. Jacob, Israel, on your way. Moses, I don't know. Moses was uh, taken, so I don't know exactly his story, right? His body was taken. Anyways, but the point is, so the evil spirits still have that same kind of confidence, and they're like, yep, you're mine. But no, because we're Christian, we have hope in the eternal life, and the angel guides can now claim and say no. This soul has satisfied living in God's light and can come. But anyways, we'll continue on. So the, the, they wanted to know on what basis the angels refused the evil spirits from holding St. Anthony accountable. And it says, then when they set themselves to taking an account from his birth. So the devils, the evil spirits are going, let me start from day one. You were born and you spit up on your mom. I mean, they're starting from day one. They're going from day one all the way to, that, to, to the moment that he was having this experience. They set themselves taking an account from his birth. Anthony's guides, the angels, intervened, saying to them, as for the things dating from his birth, the Lord has erased them. But as for the time since he became a monk and promised himself to God, you can take an account. Now, for most of us Christians who are not monks, it's going to be for the time of baptism. But look how beautiful this story teaches you about the monastic life. As you know, or you may not know, in the Coptic church, when a someone goes to the monastery and wants to become a monk or goes to the convent and wants to become a nun, there's an experience where they start in this sort of apprenticeship period, this testing period, and if by God's grace it's revealed that it's good for them to stay, they will stay and then become a monk. And the monk rite involves, does anybody know, involves what kind of prayers? Funeral prayers. And they lay him under a, or her under a, 
something. Sorry, I don't know what it's called, but something. And pray funeral prayers because the old life is done and the new life is about to begin anew. Same with baptism. We die and we rise and we live a new life in Christ. The monk who lives and the nun lives another life, committed and promised to God forever. So this is how beautiful God is, that he's not even taking into account the stuff before he became a monk. And then it says, um, then as they, the evil spirits, brought accusations but could not prove them. And that's what will happen. The evil spirits will just make up stuff. They'll take little things that weren't real, that's not what you really meant, and they'll accuse you. And don't worry, their accusation means nothing because God has designed all of this so that truth prevails. It says, but could not prove them what happened. The way opened up to him free and unhindered. And presently, he saw himself approaching. So it seemed to him, so this part right here is where after he had opened up, then all of a sudden, he found himself returning back to his body. And so he was the real Anthony again. This is all written by St. Athanasius. Then forgetting to eat, he spent the rest of the day and all the night sighing and praying. For he was astonished to see against how many we battle and what labors a person has to pass through the air. And he remembered that this is what the apostle said. According to the prince of the power of the air. In Ephesians, St. Paul writes in the letter to the Ephesians, he talks about the devil as the prince of the power of the air. And this, St. Anthony remembered. And he says, here precisely lies the power, the enemy's power, that he fights and tries to stop those who pass through. Wherefore, to his special admonition, so he gives us another verse from St. Paul, take unto you the armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day that having no evil to say of us, the enemy may be put to shame. Anthony saw himself entering the air and struggling until he became free. You're like, this is the most depressing talk. I wish I wasn't listening to it. But is it better that you know? So then what? So then what? You're like, so then what? Okay, great. I know this. This is great. I'll tell you, in my life, I had, let's say I was going in the wrong direction. And then, by God's grace, I had to encounter an experience, an afterlife experience, not of my own, of another person, a monk, who passed in the last 50 years or so. And when I observed this part of the experience, I, had, I didn't know any of the stuff that we've been talking about. I didn't know what the church father said. I didn't remember any of the scriptural verses. I didn't know anything else. I just read this one story. And this part of the experience is what the part that I was most unsettled by because it seemed so unusual. But that experience, I imagined, and I want us all to imagine, being the soul standing and dealing with this terrifying struggle. I imagined it, and I said to myself, if I were to die that moment, I know exactly where I would go. I know exactly where I would go. 
But the good news is all of you are still alive, still breathing, thank God. And you can treat this life as a second chance. Okay? It's this life. It's not the next. You don't get to purge your sins in the next life. It's this life. So treat it as if it's this life or nothing. I'm going to read something from St. John Chrysostom. While we are here, we have good hopes. When we depart to that place, we have no longer the option of repentance, nor washing away our misdeeds. For this reason, we must continually make ourselves ready for our departure from here. What if the Lord wishes to call us this evening, tomorrow? The future is unknown. To keep us, and look, he tells us why is it always unknown? To keep us always active in the struggle and prepared for the removal. In the book of Sirach, it says, whatever you do, remember that someday you must die. As long as you keep this in mind, you will be depressed. I'm just kidding. That's not what it says. It says you will never sin. You'll never sin. Yeah, yeah. No, the point is we have good hopes, and next talk we'll talk about the beauty that awaits us. And so it turns from being afraid and worried to hopeful and excited. But remembering is not to keep us down, but to lift our hearts up. Freedom, we want to treat freedom in this life. We don't want to take our freedom and be slaves. We don't want to be free to be free. For you, brethren, have been called, as you know in Galatians, St. Paul says, to liberty. You've been called to have control and freedom, to do what you want, not what your flesh tells you. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. And our Lord God and Savior says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Don't think that why God giving you all of these parameters of living that you're restricted. No. He's freeing up paradise for you. He's freeing up the passage. And he's freeing up this life. Those who use their liberty, for example, for those who are succumbing to addictions of various kinds, drugs and other things, we don't see them as free. We see them enslaved. But one may say, oh, why are you restricting me, God? I only get to live this life, so let me go do this drug and do that thing. And No. You're being enslaved by sin. St. Clement of Alexandria, an early church bishop as well, from Alexandria, says to focus on doing it out of love more than fear. A lot of us will start life and the path, or maybe still in the path, fearing what may come, and that motivates us to try to do right. But there's a, a higher degree of Action that can motivate us, and that is love of God. So look what he says. He says here, the same work then is different, depending on what prompted it. Was it because of fear, or was it accomplished because of love, faith, or knowledge? Rightly, therefore, their rewards are different. So after this life, when we're rewarded, the ones who did it out of love will get some different reward than those who did it out of fear. All will be okay. But the ones who did it purely out of love will be rewarded more. And I love this from the late Pope Shenouda III, the 117th Patriarch and Pope of Alexandria. 
of the Coptic Church. He says this, If you cannot talk to the Lord for just half an hour a day here on earth, how will you be able to talk to him when you go to eternity? Where will you go? If you had no relationship with the angels and saints here on earth, how will you live with them when you meet them in heaven? And that's why the beauty of the apostolic traditions and church is to focus so much on the heavenly. We keep the heavenly in mind. We talk to those who have departed, who are good examples, who have shown their place in heaven. We talk to them like they're here. We make friends with them, with the angels. Each one of us who is baptized is assigned a guardian angel. Oftentimes, that's who shows up. And a lot of the experiences, people will say, when I saw that one angel, it was as if I knew that angel my entire life. I don't know how. I knew this angel. We were familiar with each other. Just immediately. So not only do you have a guide, you have a familiar friend who's been guarding you. I'm going to tell you one story about, about guarding angels, and then I'm going to give you one last video, and then we're done. I'll tell you a story that someone told me personally, someone I trust very much, about guardian angels. This person was sleeping um, in her bed, and her sister was sleeping in a bed next to her. And they were in Egypt, and early, early, early in the morning, what gets on the loudspeakers usually and wakes everybody up, right? The, the prayers, the Islamic prayers, right? So this person was always feeling this sense of, well, if we know God and we love God as Orthodox Christians, shouldn't I also be praying this early? So this young person decided, I'm just going to get up and pray. And so when this loudspeakers went on, instead of going back to sleep, her sister was sleeping, which is okay. Most people in the world are sleeping at this time. She got up to pray, and then all of a sudden she noticed above her sister was an angel with one fist on one side of the sister sleeping, another fist on the other side of the sister sleeping, and the angel's tail sort of, it kind of tapered off like a tongue of fire, and the angel was bright like the moon, and the angel was just guarding her sister, just looking at her, guarding her. And then when the angel noticed this person could see her, could see the angel, the angel just kind of peacefully glanced over and just sort of disappeared. I say this because what God has prepared for us Christians is beautiful. Do it out of love. So I'm going to end with this one video. It's not all gloom. I want to pick up with a good, you know, they always say primacy and recency, right? The beginning, the way you start and the way you end is what people remember most. I want you to remember this the most, okay, and all the scary stuff, okay? All right? Now, this video has subtitles. It's in Arabic, but there's subtitles on the bottom. Hopefully, you all can see it. And we're going to play this video. And um, before we do, I'll uh, give you a little bit of an intro. Um, there was an accident in Egypt, a bus accident, and a lot of kids, a lot of youth from Heliopolis, Egypt, and a church, St. George, 
And, and I know many people who know people who went to that church. People who knew people who were in one of the buses. Like, personally. No, I know someone who was going to go on that trip and ended up not going and tells me he wishes he had gone on that trip. The bus, there was an accident, and the families were just distraught, just utterly distraught. And then something interesting happens. God allows, allowed a, a, a nun named Mother Irini, a nun in Egypt, to see what happened after death. A lot of us see death, and we just see death. But so much beauty happens after. So I'm going to let you hear from Mother Irini's own mouth what happened Okay, and you can read the subtitles. اهلا بيكم الحقيقه انا ما كنتش احب احكي ولكن اب اعترافي قال لي الله يحلك لازم تحكي اللي شفتيه عشان خاطر الاهالي يعني فانا الحقيقه شفت الموضوع من اوله ف وهحكيه كما بالظبط زي ما ايه زي ما شفت بعد ما هحكي الموضوع ده لو وقتكم يسمح وحبيته هحكي عن السماء شوية عن حاجات يعني ناس أثق فيهم كنفسي وراحوا السماء ورجعوا حكولنا إيه الفردوس الموضوع بتاع ولادنا حبايبنا وبناتنا طبعا أنا شفت نفسي شفت الحادث قدامي يعني فالمهم إيه فأنا بقول أنا كنت واقفة بصلي وقتها في القلاية بتاعتي ففوجئت لقيت المنظر ده قدامي فبقول إيه ده يا ربي هو أنا هو أنا حاجة حصلت في مخي ما الحادث الأول هو أنا بلهوس هو إيه اللي بيحصل قدامي ده وبعدين بصيت لقيت في عمود نور نزل من السماء بقى اعره في الارض وداخل جوه السماء يعني مش نازل من السماء يعني الاعر في الارض وهو داخل جوه السماء فوق وبعدين لقيت ملايكه والعمود ده لا لون النيون النور النيلون النيون ده ولا اللون الاحمر لون ابيض جميل جميل قوي في حياتي ما شفت اللون ده والعمود ده ادى فرح وادى ايه ادى سلام عجيب وعلى العمدان دي نازله ملائكه بتجري بسرعه 
والملائكه دول لابسين لون الايه لون العمود بس وشهم بقى مضيء جدا جدا وكل ملاك بيدي واحد من ولادنا اللي هم استشهدوا او اللي هم يعني انتقلوا الروح خدت شكل الجسد بس على ايه على نوراني نفس شكل الجسد بس الوش مضيء لا اما انا بحكي ما تعيطوش يعني انتوا مبسوط مفروض يعني معلش ما تزعلوش مني انا عذراكوا كله بس تنبسطوا هو فين الواحد يطول حاجه زي دي طيب المهم ايه فكل واحد لبس لون جلابيه لون ايه لون العمود لون النور ده وشهم بقى مضيء جدا والملائكه بتدي كل واحد في ايده صليب لون ايه لون العمود وشمعه في الايد ايه في الايد الشمال صليب منور لون العمود وشمعه في الايد الشمال والملائكه بعد ما ادوهم كده عمك يقولوا تسابيح جميله كلها لربنا بيسبحوا ربنا هم بقوا يقولوا مع مين مع الملائكه ولسه قدامي المنظر ده وبعدين بصيت لقيت ست العذراء برضو نزلت دايما ست العذراء بتظهر لابسه لون السماء الفاتحه ويبقى في صلبان ذهبي لا في الوقت ده كانت لابسه لون ايه لون العمود نور والصلبان برضو ايه ذهبي فنزلت العذراء والملائكه واتخذوا بالزفه طالعين بالراحه حوالين ايه حوالين العمود صوت قوي جدا وفي رنين عجيب جدا وفي كده سلام عجيب جدا بقول هلم الي تعالوا الي بس وبعدين ايه بقى رسوا ملكو رسوا تعالوا الي الى الفردوس تعالوا الي الى الفردوس وبعدين ايه بقى طلعوا كل الزفه دي مع الملائكه مع ست العذراء حوالين العمود واختفوا في السماء وبعدين العمود زي ما نزل زي ما ايه زي ما اختفى طلع 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 في السماء يعني طلع كده 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 لغايه ما ايه طلع السماء واختفى السماء انا انا مستعجبه انا مش فاهمه الموضوع اللي بيجري قدامي ده وبعدين ايه انا بصراحه امتليت فرح وسلام وكده يعني يعني ناس رايحه الفردوس وفرحانين ومبتهجين وعمك يقولوا تسابيح جميله نزعل عليهم ازاي ما نقدرش نزعل Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Have mercy upon us and help us. The intercession of St. Mary and all the saints. Jesus, we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one in Christ Jesus our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.